Um, I, really, I really sensed that tonight there was someone um, really, really close to turning their back um, on God. And it's someone who kind of has a revelation of God and who God is. Um, but I'd, la- I'd call this person the pressure cooker. And that there's these pressures and um, there's pain and there's struggle and you're, you're basically facing Jesus, uh, but you could crack at any moment and turn around and turn your back to Jesus. Um, so, so I'd call that person the pressure cooker. Um, and I'm just going to do a bit of an illustration down here tonight, but I remember when I, you know, God is, um, God's been so good to me throughout my life, and He's always kind of revealed Himself to me over time, and it hasn't been... Um, a one kind of moment where I, I came into a relationship with God, but it was a gradual thing, and I slowly, if I can get um, Guy, if I can get you to come up and be Jesus for me tonight, give it up for Guy. Awesome. But, I mean, I started, as we all did, Guy, if you could just face this way, but probably toward, you know, with my back towards Jesus. Um, but over time, God... Jesus would somehow tap me on the shoulder and, and shift me a bit towards his direction and um, my back would turn, not, you know, from t- facing him but kind of toward, my face would move towards him. And um, I can think of this one experience where it really kind of shifted for me where I was um, working in a law firm, I was about 20 years old and um, I'd kind of been in the Catholic Church at the time and um, loved God and had this hunger for God but didn't quite know how to come into that relationship with Him Um, and you weren't necessarily encouraged to read the Bible because that was the priest's job. So I was kind of stuck. I didn't know how to discover more about God Um, and I was sitting in this law firm um, and they kind of put me in this office by myself um, outside the rest of the office and it had three workstations in it, and I was the only person in that office, on one of the workstations. And one day, um, this guy came in, and he said, hey, my name's Joe, I'm new here. And I said, awesome, Joe, Um, I've got this office to myself, I guess you're taking one of the other workstations, so take your pick. And um, that day, Joe went out to lunch, and he never came back. And, um, you know, he went out at about 12.30 and um, it was 2.30 and I thought, wow, Joe's, got, Joe's negotiated a good deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, got to 3.30, I'm like, wow, Joe gets th- three-hour lunch breaks. That's, that's amazing. But Joe never actually came back and I went up to the boss and I said, hey, um, Joe went out for lunch and never returned. Should we be concerned? And he said, no, uh, Joe won't be coming back. And I thought, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. But it wasn't actually that weird in that workplace because that kind of happened a lot. Um, (laughs) But Joe left a book on his desk. Um, He came in, he worked for three hours, left, but left his book behind. And the book was called The Jesus I Never Knew. And that book sat there for about six months and every day I'd walk in and and I'd think of Joe because I'd see his book there and I'd think, oh man, Joe left his book here. Um, I should really contact him and, and tell him that he left his book here. But I never did. But anyway, 
you know, about six months had passed and no one else had come to work on that workstation and that book was sitting there collecting dust and I thought, you know what, I'm going um, to read it. And this book kind of just transformed the way I saw Jesus. And it showed me a different part of his character that I'd never seen before. And it basically took the Bible and explained it in a way, it just explained Jesus' character. And I found myself um, just kind of turning towards him, towards his face, because I started to understand who he was, what his nature was like, what his character was like, that he actually loved me, that he wasn't pointing his finger at me in condemnation, um, but that he had a plan and a purpose for my life, um, that he was so gracious, but he was so strong, um, and, and all the things he did and explained his miracles. And I just fell in love with his character, and I kind of turned turned my face towards him, and I, that's when I really feel like I came into a relationship with him. And it's when you come face to face with someone that you're in relationship with them, it's difficult to be in relationship with them when you've got your back turned to them, right? Um, and, you know, I guess over time, you know, stuff happens and you kind of shift from being face to face with Jesus to kind of turning a bit, maybe a few degrees, and then maybe like 180 degrees, um, but somehow, you know, God prompts you to constantly come back and, and face Him face to face. Um, and it, I, I really feel like that there's someone here tonight, like I was saying before, who's that pressure cooker person who's struggling with stuff and it might be pain or they're looking at their circumstances saying, you know what, I'm, I'm facing you right now, Jesus, but um, something's got to change here. Otherwise, I've, you know, I'm going to have to shift. Like, the, the pain's too much, um, the, the burden's too much, the struggle's too much, and I'm standing here and I'm facing you, and, and we're in this relationship, but, you know, it's, it's really volatile at the moment, I'm really fragile at the moment, and I'm afraid I'm going to just shift a, a, any moment. Um, so I'd call that person the pressure cooker person, and Pete, if you can just come up and be the pressure cooker person for me. Um, um, you can face Kristen over here. Yeah. Um, so there's the pressure, the pressure cooker person, and I'm going to bring up a few different people tonight who are in a different stage and probably have a different degree of their back turned to Jesus or facing Jesus in, in some different respect. But each, for each one of these people, God showed me really clearly over the last couple of days that he has something for each person. So for the, for the pressure cooker person, he has uh, compassion. Compassion. And, you know, when God said, I have compassion for, for the pressure cooker person who's, who's about to crack, what I have for them is compassion. And I straight away thought, okay, yeah, compassion must mean sympathy or empathy or, or something like that. But I looked up the definition and it was a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. Um, but it doesn't end there. It says, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So Jesus has compassion on the pressure cooker person that's here tonight. Whoever you are, Jesus has compassion for you. Um, and there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, 
Jesus has been ministering to um, thousands of people and then he calls his disciples and he says, uh, he looks at the people and he says, I feel compassion uh, for these people because they've remained with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. And I don't want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. And I, I think that's where the pressure cooker person finds themselves. They're afraid that they might faint on the way, that their, their legs are getting a bit wobbly and they, and they just might faint, their legs might give way. Um, but Jesus has compassion. He has compassion on you tonight. And he says he, he recognises that you've remained. He recognises that you, you've remained facing him. He recognises that you're hungry, that you need something, that you are fragile and that you are struggling. And he says, I won't send you away hungry. I will not send you away hungry. He says, you will not faint. And that's what Jesus has for you. If you're that pressure cooker person tonight, that's what Jesus has for you. He's got compassion for you tonight. Um, and this compassion that he had was actually preceded one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did, where he went and fed the 5,000 and their families. So that compassion preceded just an extraordinary miracle. And, and whatever you're facing tonight, pressure cooker person, um, God has that compassion for you. He's got you covered with compassion and, and this wasn't something that I just came up with um, as though kind of flicking through what can I say to this person, but I really felt that that was from the Spirit of God, that He has compassion. He has compassion for you. But He's also calling you to something. He's also calling you to something. Um, and that's the beauty of a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with anyone. Um, they, they will also call you, call things out and they will challenge you in love. Um, and Jesus isn't kind of pointing the finger at you, pressure cooker person, and saying, oh, you know, get, you, get yourself together. No, he's, he's calling something out, and what he's calling out of you is hope. He's calling hope. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but they that hope upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You will not faint. Pressure cooker person, you will not faint. You can, you can turn and face Jesus and, and rest assured that he's got the compassion for you. And right now, he's, he's making an, an exchange with, with you, whoever you are in this room. He's, he's giving you hope. He's giving you compassion. And, and receive, receive that hope from him. He's calling that hope out of you. He's calling you to hope tonight. He's calling you to hope tonight. Um, so, I remember when I was in a pretty uh, difficult position, and, and the reason why um, I was just sitting here and God was giving me these scriptures, but I remembered when God actually gave me this scripture, when I was in a really difficult time, and I was on a train, good old city rail, and uh, I think I may have been praying, I'm not sure, but I looked down between my feet, and um, there was a pensioner card and it had expired or something and I don't even know why but I picked it up and I turned it over and there was actually this scripture on the back of it and I could tell that an, a really old person had written it because the handwriting was old you know when you just see handwriting and you're like all right that was an old person but it really it really gave me hope in that moment and I'm like wow how did God do this how did God 
inspire this old person, this pensioner, to get, pull their ticket out and write this scripture down and then drop it on the floor in the train and then I would come and pick it up and be encouraged by it and receive that hope. It was amazing. And I, I just, I was so lifted and I really did. Um, you know, God called me to that place of hope and I went there. I really did go there. Um, and it, yeah, it just really lifted me up. So for the pressure cooker person, and, and I'd love to pray with you afterwards. So I'm going to open the altar up later and um, I'd love to, for you to come forward and we can, you know, Jesus will impart that hope to you. Um, how you going, Pete? Are you all right there? Jesus? You good? Awesome. Um, yeah, just on that hope, just on that hope, I had, a, I had a friend call me up last week and he, similar kind of situation to me, kind of Catholic church, uh, turned away from God, spent years of kind of rebelling against God and I'd always invite him to church and, and kind of not interested. But he called me up, you know, we'd kind of lost touch, but he, he called me up um, last week or whenever it was and he said, hey, I'm really struggling. He said, I'm having these serious anxiety attacks. I haven't left home for weeks. Um, I'm in a really bad place. Um, I, I don't know who to turn to, but I just need someone to tell me that everything's going to be all right. And I just need someone to tell me that God's going to get me through this. And I could honestly say to him, he will. He will. And that's the hope God wants to give. He always gives hope. He will always give hope. Let's give Jesus a hand tonight. Um, the second person that God wants to speak to tonight is, um, yeah, someone who's experimenting with Jesus. So who can I get to, to be that person? Um, Dave Newman, why don't you come forward? You can sit here, Dave. And you are, you are facing Jesus, but you've either got your arms folded or you've got this kind of pose where you're, you're facing him, you're looking at him, you're looking him in the eyes, um, but you're just, you're just sussing him out. You're experimenting with him. Um, yeah, you're, you're kind of testing him and you're making agreements with yourself and you're thinking, okay, okay, Jesus, um, I've got this thing and if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about you, but I'm kind of dabbling in this Jesus Christian thing and, you know, I really want you to come through for me with this thing and, um, and we'll just go from there. But it's kind of more of an experiment, you're unsure, um, but you've, you've actually turned and faced him. Um, and for you, um, whoever you are, the thing that God has for you tonight is freedom. Is freedom. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Jesus says, I behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Um, but a knock at the door, I think, is the absolute kind of sign of politeness where. You, you know, Jesus is giving that person the, the complete freedom whether to open the door or not. So if you're here and you're questioning, you're experimenting with Jesus, he's just telling you, you are free. 
you are free tonight. There is no pressure whatsoever. But if you are hearing that knock on your heart, then you are free to open the door or to leave it closed. Um, because he's a gentleman, he's not going to barge his way through. He's not going to shoot the locks and barge his way in. But he's just, he just wants you to know that from his spirit, he's just got freedom for you. He's got freedom for you tonight. Um, yeah, he's not like the, the, the angry wolf. He's not going to huff and puff and, and blow the, the walls down. He's, he's compassionate. He's secure in, in himself. And he's just standing at the door and he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm here. Um, but it's up to you whether you open the door or not. Um, I remember this time where, you know, God kind of extended this to me. I was in Amsterdam on a student exchange. I'd taken an illegal substance. Sorry, Mum, I know you're here. Um, <laughs> and I was on a dance floor in a nightclub. And, yeah. And I was just... You know, dancing on the, on the dance floor, having a good time, and then kind of noticed this shiny thing on the dance floor, and I thought, oh, I better go pick this up. Oh, something's shiny. Um, so I went, picked it up, and it was a cross. It was a cross, and I was just like, ah, oh. you know, this is, this is God kind of knocking on my door again. And you know when you just know in your know that God's on your case, and he's just knocking on your door, and it's like, okay... He's knocking on the door. What do I do? Do I answer it or do I keep it closed? And I remember I was kind of wrecked that night. I just left and I just went and wandered the streets um, and, and just kind of was like, oh, man, God, you're so good because you never stopped pursuing me. Um, and then the next morning it was, it was bizarre because one of the friends we were out with that night went missing. He went missing, uh, but I'd gone home. So another friend called me that morning and said, hey, we've lost him. Um, we've been looking everywhere for him. His bike's still chained up at the club. He hasn't gone home. He hasn't rocked up to work. Um, we're about to call his parents in Australia and tell him that he's gone missing. And I remember thinking, okay, I, I need to go to God about this. And I remembered I, I had that cross that I'd found the night before, so I reached into my pocket and I prayed a prayer and I said, God, it, you know, if you can do something about this, that would be awesome. And within like 30 seconds, I got a phone call saying, he's okay. He's okay. And it was just another kind of tap on the shoulder where you're like, okay, okay. Like, I can hear that knock on the door. You know, like, I'm getting closer and closer to the door. But, you know, I hadn't quite opened it yet. But for you, there's freedom. For you, there's freedom tonight. But the thing that God's calling you tonight is faith. Um, you know, he's giving you freedom, but he's also calling you to faith. Um, and it's not a kind of, hey, you, you believe in me or you better believe in me. Um, but the scripture I got for this was Isaiah 60, uh, verse 16 to 20. And it says, you will know at last that I, the Lord, am your saviour and your redeemer, the mighty one of Israel. Um, I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, and your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader, the righteousness and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. 
Salvation will surround you like city walls. How awesome is that? And praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. That's what God's calling you to. If you're that person who I'll call the experimenter, if you're experimenting here tonight, that's what God's calling you to. He's calling you to faith. He's calling you to faith tonight. Um, the third person, and um, I'll get, who can I get? Cesar, come on up, bro. <laughs> come on up. Awesome. <laughs> um, so the third, the third person is um, someone who was facing Jesus. Yeah, so you can face him. Just face him. Um, but kind of has just drifted and turned. And that's it. And this person I'll call the drifter. And this isn't someone who, you know, we look at and think, oh no, what a shameful being they've drifted because we are all, I think we're all in this place somewhere um, every now and then. And it's a matter of, okay, constantly kind of shifting back and, and getting our focus back on Jesus. But this isn't a, a one-off person who is to be shunned or anything like that. This, we all find ourselves here, I think. I think we all drift from time to time. And for you, um, what God has for you is grace. He, he doesn't have condemnation. He doesn't have guilt. He doesn't have any of those things. He's just got grace for you. And that's out of the goodness of his heart and the goodness of his character. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. I don't think... Um, any story kind of captures it better than this one where the woman's caught in the act of adultery and the scribes bring her before Jesus and they say, uh, what are we going to do with her? She's committed adultery. And Jesus said, um, you know, he, he's wrote in the sand and he said, let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And he stood down again and wrote in the dust. Let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And what Jesus was saying in that moment was that he, he knew and that he was the only one there that was without sin. So what he was saying was, I, Jesus, have absolute right to throw the first stone. Whereas all you Pharisees, all you scribes, you have absolutely no right to pass judgment on her. But I am without sin, so I therefore can, if I want to, throw the first stone. Jesus is absolutely has the right to do that. But what does he say to her? They, all those accusers just stepped away, um, just kind of melted into the background somehow, and Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And his response is, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. So if you're here tonight and you feel like you've drifted and maybe you've turned your back, 
you turned your back to Jesus. He's just got grace for you tonight. He says, nor do I condemn you. He doesn't give anyone permission to condemn you. And he says, nor do I condemn you. There's no condemnation here. And the Bible says that. There is no condemnation in Jesus. There is no condemnation. Let's give him a hand here tonight. So that's what he's got for you, Drifter. He's got grace. But the thing he's calling you to is repentance. He's calling you to repentance. And he says to the woman, Where has anyone condemned you? She says, no. He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And he's, he's, calling us to, he's calling us to repentance. Whoever of us here are drifting, he's calling you to that place of repentance. And it's not, it's not like, uh, oh yeah, you know, repent from your sin. It's not just that. It's not, you know, we often look at repentance and say it's a turning away from sin. So if you're in habitual sin or, or you're in something and, and you're bound up a bit, then you've just got to turn from that thing. But I think repentance is so much more than that. Um, and often it requires us to do things um, beyond just kind of stopping the sin. And I'll give you an example of this. A few weeks ago, I was praying to God, and he, you know, when God gives you a word and you're really encouraged by it, um, he gave me the word complacent. Um, and I felt like I straight away looked it up in the dictionary because I thought complacent meant um, lazy, and I thought God... God was calling me lazy, but he wasn't. He, he was actually calling me something probably worse than that. Um, but I looked up the definition and it said, pleased, especially with oneself or one's merits, advantages, situation, often without awareness of some potential danger or defect, self-satisfied. I thought, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I kind of have moved to that place. And I, I thought... I've got to get, I've got to get out of this place. And that kind of, in that moment, Jesus called me to repentance. And the thing he highlighted to me was that I'd stopped kind of um, having faith for things. And I'd started doing things in my own strength. And I actually needed to go back and kind of start having faith about things rather than trying to do things in my own strength. So if you've drifted, God is calling you to repentance tonight. And maybe there is that, um, potential danger or defect that you're not aware of. That's the kind of repentance he wants you to have tonight. And again, if that's you, he's got grace for you, but he's calling you to repentance tonight. So we'll open the altar and please come forward later on because God wants to impart that grace to you. He wants to impart that grace and he wants to, he wants to encourage you in that repentance tonight. Um, so that's, that's the drifter. The last person is, um, we'll call the, the lifter, and that's um, Patrick. Yeah, perfect. Why don't you come forward? Um, yeah, and you face Jesus, and this is the lifter who's just in a perfect kind of relationship with God at the moment, and you've got your, you've got your hands, you've got your hands raised. And you're just in your sweet spot and, you, you know, you've got that communion with God and you're just in awe of Him and you're worshipping Him and you're in a place of obedience and God is, you know, just talking to you all the time. Um, and, and God 
you know, the, the only thing God's got for you is love and more love. And you're experiencing his love, but it's endless. And as Chrissy was saying before, how wide, how deep, you know, um, the same thing. He's just got more and more love for you. Um, he's just pouring it out. So whoever's here and is a lifter, God's just got more love for you. He's just got more love for you. How awesome is that? And I, I love it when people talk about, you know, near-death experiences and they go to heaven um, but, and the one thing they'll always talk about is the love. And it's just like waves and waves of waves of love. And it's just, it just hits you and, you know, it's indescribable. But that's the love that God's got for you. And the thing he's calling the lifter to is love. He's calling the lifter to love. And I'm reminded of that scripture where, you know, Peter um, who denied Jesus, turned his back to him, came back, uh, repented, was standing with Jesus, and he, Jesus asked him the question, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And the thing God's calling the lifter to is just to love, and to love God's people, and to share the love that God's giving you with other people. And that's what God's calling the lifter to tonight. Um, can we give a hand for all our amazing actors up the front here? So good. But yeah, if the band could come, and yeah, I'm just going to open up this, this altar in a moment, and if you're one of those, if you find yourself in one of those categories, maybe, you know, you're the lifter and you just want to come forward and worship God, then you're welcome to do that because God's just going to pour out his love on you, and you can send it right back to him. But maybe you're the drifter and you need repentance. Well, why don't you come on the altar tonight and have, let that exchange take, take place, because I know it will tonight. I know God's in this place to do a work tonight. Um, maybe you're the experimenter, um, and, and I want you to come forward tonight as well. Um, what was the other person? Forgotten him. The pressure cooker. Yeah, if you're the pressure cooker, come forward as well, because God wants to meet with you tonight and, and just yeah, impart that hope. Um, but just before I open the altar, I would I would like to ask a question, and this is this is focused at the um, the experimenters in the room tonight. And the, the reason why I'm asking this question is because I want to lead you in a prayer that invites Jesus into your heart. So if you feel like God's called you to that place of faith tonight, and remember you've got complete freedom, there's no compulsion here. There's absolutely no compulsion. But if you are an experimenter and you feel like God's called you to faith and you'd like to step that way tonight, then I'd love you to just give me a wave on the count of three because um, I'd love to pray a prayer with you that just opens that door to Jesus lets him in and as he says he'll dine with you and your life will change so on the count of three I'll, I'll make that invitation one two three who's that tonight anyone experimenting yeah over here my friend who else is there tonight experimenting wants to take that leap of faith tonight I know there are a couple more people here tonight. So just be bold and brave. Pray that prayer with you tonight. You invite Jesus into 
heart. Give it a few more moments. Is there anyone tonight? Just give me a quick wave. I'll acknowledge you. Pray a prayer together. Anyone at all? Awesome. Well, my friend up the back, we'll, um, I'll come and find you and we'll pray that prayer together. Actually, why don't you come forward right now? Why don't we all stand and c- congratulate Reese as he comes forward from the sound desk. It's awesome. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for knocking on my door. Tonight I open the door. I invite you in. Thank you for dying for me, for taking my sins, for washing me clean. I place my faith in you tonight. I thank you I'm saved. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for Reese, And I thank you that you're imparting faith into his heart tonight. That the experiment is over. That he has an assurance in his heart. That he just, from this day forward, you reveal yourself to him more. You reveal your character, your goodness. And I thank you, God, that goodness and mercy will just follow him all the days of his life. Speak to him in the whisper, God. You speak to him in dreams. Thank you, God. You bless him. You bless his family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, band's going to play, and um, the altar is open. So if you'd like prayer, come forward. I'd love to pray with you tonight.